Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Stowaway. <sighs> Did we take No, hey, sit down. Did we take off? Sit down or you're gonna pass out. Commander! Take off! Commander! Take off! My god, Zoe, I'm a doctor. I want you to focus on slowing down your breathing. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Hi, Michael. I'm Marina Bunnett, the commander of the ship. Do you remember what happened on the pad? I'm a launch support engineer, ma'am. How long was I out? We took off about 12 hours ago. 12 hours? I need to get back to my no. sister, please. My sister, she's alone, please. Right. I gotta get back. We're not going back. What do you mean we're not going back? This is a two-year mission. Two years is a long time to be away, but this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I can learn fast. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We are taking the first steps to being able to call Mars a second home. We're sorry that you missed the filet mignon, but this is the next best thing. We think it's spaghetti. I should warn you now that Zoe thinks she's the in-flight entertainment. There's <laughs> no easy way to say this. Life support is damaged permanently. We only have enough oxygen board for three people. Everyone on board will suffocate before we ever make it to Mars. Hey, Ava, I gotta face the fact that I'm not gonna be there with you. Research is years of our lives. Are we sure we want to throw it all away? How much time do we have before it's too late? 20 days. I think we should put ourselves at risk. For their sanity, they need to try this. This is hopeless. That is it. There's no way for all of us to survive. It's imperative that we try. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Stowaway, and the story is as follows. A three-person crew on a mission to Mars faces an impossible choice when an unplanned passenger jeopardizes the lives of everyone on board. The film is starring Anna Kendrick, Tony Collette, Shamir Anderson, and Daniel Day Kim. It is written and directed by Joe Penna and co-written by Ryan Morrison. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Sarah Clements. Hello, everyone. Dan Baer. Good morning. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. All right, everyone. So there's only a limited amount of airtime for this podcast review. I am going to have to respectfully ask one of you to sacrifice yourselves for the good of the podcast. I'd sacrifice myself to get away from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So a little bit of background here to start off. Uh, Joe Pena, uh, I think a lot of us uh, saw his last film, Arctic, that starred Mads Mikkelsen, which I actually was quite fond of. I thought that was a really, really good survivalist uh, film. Here he is back with another survivalist movie, only this time it's taking place in space, where these characters are you know, pretty much faced with a very, very impossible choice to make, where a stowaway ultimately ends up on their ship, and they don't have enough oxygen for him, which is... Yeah, very unfortunate. You you would think that there would be reserve reserves of some sort 
<laughs> that would allow. Uh, but it seems like every contingency plan and everything that's put in place, there's just problem after problem after problem, forcing them to the brink. There is... I don't want to say a lot going on in this movie. It's a pretty simple premise, all things considered. It's a very, very uh, claustrophobic, uh, contained film. And also, too, moving at a bit of a pace that I think might be different for some people that are accustomed to more action-packed space films. But enough of all of that. I'm going to start us off with Sarah Clements. What did you think of Stowaway? I mean, I thought it's at, um, from the very beginning, it was really good at like... Um you know, gripping the audience because it's so intense and stressful and you don't know, like, what's going to happen. I mean, I didn't read very much about the film before I watched it, which is normal for me, so I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, but then, I mean, I loved... Um, everyone in the cast is amazing, but then it's one of those films that sort of just... I mean, it wasn't ruined for me um, because of the ending, but it's very much a, okay, so all that, and, like, for what, though? <laughs> like, what was the point of all of this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, and it's just, I mean, we'll discuss this later, but I'm just, I'm very, I'm, I'm very confused as to why that extra passenger was even really there in the first place. Like, I found they did not explain that as well as they could have, unless I'm just really dumb, but, you know... <laughs> So that is my that is my take. <laughs> I feel like there were a bunch of uh, places that this screenplay could have taken uh, the story. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, I, I know from uh, some preview texts here uh, what Dan and uh, Josh, how, how they feel about this movie. So uh, I'm curious to hear them elaborate a bit more because um, suffice to say their reactions to the movie uh, last night. Uh, maybe want to watch it uh, even more. So I'm going to first start us off with Josh Parham. Josh, what did you think of Stowaway? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> first, I will just say that normally I'm all in for like a good sci-fi outer space movie. Like I, I tend to really like those. For, for this one, though, when it first started, I found myself thinking like it wasn't bad. It was just a bit bland. Like it really wasn't doing anything story-wise that I thought was very innovative. It all looked nice and was well-performed. It just was just, you know, not very interesting in terms of the story. And I agree with you, Sarah, that there's really not a great setup to the situation. And there's like a sense of mystery that's sort of there, but you don't really get into. Uh, I do think there's one particular like set piece in this movie that's really effective and was doing a lot to kind of get me back into it. It's a really tense moment in the film that I thought was really well done. And then the ending does happen, which I'm sure that we'll save for a bit later for like a full spoiler talk, because the ending to this movie did kind of almost ruin the whole thing for me. And I I felt so angry at how this movie chose to conclude itself with such emptiness that I really did feel like I wasted two hours of my life right at the very end. And that's not the feeling you want at the very end of your movie. So there's some like interesting elements in here. There are some sequences I thought were well done, but overall I, I didn't find myself engaged with it that much. And the ending is just so unbelievably bad and upsetting to me that it really left a sour taste in my mouth. All right. Kicking it over to Dan Baer. Do you concur? I concur. Uh, so Josh, Josh did send a message to a group being like, this ending made me upset, to which I said, well, now I guess I have to see it. Um, 
And well, <laughs> Josh also said that it was worse than the ending of the Midnight Sky. And I don't know that I'd go that far, but only because I think that overall, before the ending, this is a it's a somewhat better movie than Midnight Sky. So I was willing to give it a little more leeway. But oh, my God. I mean, first of all, there, we all know that there are two different types of Netflix originals, right? There are the types that they produce and make and do everything in-house, and then the ones that they acquire from elsewhere. And I, this was doing good enough work in the first, like, half hour or so that I couldn't tell right away which one of those it was, and usually I can. Um and the cast is really, really good. You know, it's a pretty simple premise, but they're all giving it their all. And the production design, music, everything is really nice. And it's cooking along. And But there are, like, little things that happen throughout that I'm like, that's the direction you're going with this? Really? Okay. And then we get to the ending, and I'm just like, oh, oh well, you all can fuck right off. <laughs> uh, because that is, I don't, I'm not sure that this is actually the worst way to end this movie, judging from everything that came before. But if it's not, it's pretty close. No, there was a more grim ending that I actually thought that they were building towards if i'm being completely honest with you all instead what they went with was (laughs) um not as silly and as preposterous as the midnight sky but it was close enough to that and and not even like silly just kind of eye rolling i i think that's what i'm more so referring to is that it's like an eye rolling decision that makes you go really you couldn't come up with something a little bit more creative you had to go that route you know yeah, like the Midnight Sky is at least like kind of goofy in the way it ends. It's like, what the fuck? Whereas this is just like, that's how you're ending it? Really? I guess because it's just so expected and kind of just safe and bland, I guess. It wasn't even that it was expected and safe or bland for me. It was just like all of this drama and all this consternation is leading up to that like it didn't feel like until literally the last five seconds of this movie it did not feel that that was the ending that this all was building towards i will admit that the minute i saw on the screen you know directed by joe pena i i i I did think to myself oh so we're not going to see the aftermath of beyond this moment like that's that's where they're choosing to play yep okay black screen okay, all right that's it <laughs> you know and i was like i i kind of was hoping that there would be some more follow-up with um with the story yeah or an actual ending to the movie yeah <laughs> yeah that, i mean it sounds like we're already there like i then we're already going to talk about the ending i don't know if you want to put up a spoiler warning right now matt um well, I, I do want to just get my initial thoughts out there really quick and then maybe we can get into it because I do feel like this movie's whole structure is a build up to its ending. <laughs> it's build up, build up, build up, build up. And then 
the last 20 minutes basically happens. So for me, like, I actually was really into this at first. I love that there were no exterior shots of the ship. Um, we are just with these characters the entire time. We never hear the comms that they're having with mission control down on Earth. Um, it's really just this four-person uh, almost play-like uh, story that's taking place on this ship. And I was really, really into that. Um, and I also have to admit, I know some people have complained about how the pacing is a little sluggish, but I was really liking the fact that the actors were doing decent work. There was some real character building involved. And maybe because The Midnight Sky had just come out, obviously, um, a few weeks ago, I'm sitting here and thinking to myself, well, this is the kind of stuff that I was missing from The Midnight Sky. I never got a chance to really understand who those characters were. I never got these nuanced moments of uh, conversation or little insights into their lives or anything like that. So I was really, really liking the patience of the storytelling here. And then, of course, when the character of Michael gets introduced and there is that intriguing element all of a sudden and all these questions of, well, how did he end up here? And what is his, you know, ultimate goal? Is there an ulterior motive? Are there more people, etc.? Like all these questions to start like kind of flooding through your mind. And then you realize very quickly that this is actually just more of a survivalist story that's kind of based within some realm of reality. They only have uh, so much oxygen to go around. The uh, CDRA, uh, which, um, you know, is is permanently damaged. And as a result, there's not enough carbon dioxide. Uh, so they have to ultimately <laughs> choose the mission over a human being. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very impossible situation that they are all involved in. And by that point, you're hoping that there's been enough character build up that we understand where everybody's coming from in this situation. And we also are emotionally invested a bit, right? So I, I have to admit, I was and I did like the moral dilemma that was at play here. And I actually like the ultimate message of the movie, which is that the very best of humanity is that when we try to save one another, even even if we don't know if the outcome will be what we desire. Um, I think that Michael's story that he tells uh, Zoe and then Zoe's story that she tells to him, you know, really kind of helped crystallize that theme. So I was I was really liking all of this. I really was. And the tether uh, climbing sequence, which I think is the sequence you're referring to, Josh, that had a bit of like excitement behind it. Um, I thought that scene was very well done, incredibly tense, and I thought that Joe Pengi was just doing such an excellent job, and I, 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 I agree with everyone here that the ending is a letdown, but I can't sit here and say that it made me angry. Like, I wasn't pissed off or anything. I just felt kind of empty and unfulfilled by, that, by the end of it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because at least I thought what, what came before it was decent enough. I didn't think it was like a bad movie that hinged on the ending to make it all better. I thought it was a decent movie that had a just kind of blah ending. And it, it didn't like sink the entire thing for me, but it also didn't uh, elevate it either, you know? Well, I think that in terms of what came before the ending and most of the like character buildup, I don't know if I was ever like that engaged with it. And I think it's really because I never really fully understood the setup as to why the character of Michael was even there to begin with. And they kind of gloss over like 
how he ended up there, but it never really felt like a proper explanation and they don't return to it. So already I'm like very confused as to why this has even happened to begin with. And I think I'm being pulled along mostly by the performances and the filmmaking, which are decent. I would never say they're like amazing, but I think they're like solid, but not enough to say that I'm really invested. And it isn't until that spacewalk sequence that I think is so tense and so well done that I was really starting to kind of get into at least sort of the personal and physical stakes of the movie. And I think maybe that's why I'm so upset with the ending because it felt like the goodwill it was building up was just immediately jettisoned by that point. So I'm just curious, are, are you upset with the ending of this movie because of the actual choice that they made in terms of uh, how to end it? Or are you more upset with the execution of it? I am more upset with not necessarily the choices made in parts of that ending, I'm more upset that the note that they decided to end it on was so unfulfilling in terms of the narrative that they were trying to tell. And as you mentioned, it feeling so empty and hollow that it felt, honestly, to me, this movie felt incomplete. Like it was almost missing an ending to me. It was missing a resolution and conclusion and it went for something more somber, which I totally respect that, but it also felt as I said, just incomplete. It felt like they just stopped telling a full story. I think what I'm most grateful for is that they didn't decide to sunshine it, you know, like take a third act genre twist and turn this into some sort of like murder thriller, you know, I was like really afraid of where this was going to go. But that was what they were building towards. Like everything about this premise, that's what it's building towards is this sort of, thriller-ish thing and it doesn't go there exactly like so my question to you is it, was it really building towards that well so there's a part of me that like like josh like appreciates the choice but then there's part of me that's just like if you're going to swerve from the story that you seem to be setting up where it does go i thought made everything less interesting yeah, that's what I mean when I say, like, it's kind of a blah, you know, ending where it's it's there. It's definitely not interesting, but I, I didn't think it was like, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's like somewhere in the middle where I, you know, it, it, and maybe that is worse because as uh, as I mentioned before, like, I didn't really feel anything when it was all over. Yeah. And because maybe the pacing is the way that it is, you know, it does feel like it requires audience patience and investment. So that when there is little payoff, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe the crime is a, is a lot bigger in that regard that they're committing here on the audience. If the movie was, say, 90 minutes and was, you know, faster paced and there were, I don't know, more set pieces sprinkled throughout or something. Maybe I, I could have lived with this a little bit more, maybe. I mean, they have this whole, like, intense discussion about basically, like, this guy dying, right? And they're like taking his life in their hands. And then Anna Kendrick says something about, about like, well, are we just going to like push him out the airlock? And I was like, well, are they going to do that though? Because I think that would be good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. I think I, but I also just miss like horror movies in space so much. And I really wanted this to get all kind of scary, you know? But yeah, I, I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't go that route though. I, I, I had the fear that they might, 
because I'm thinking to myself, all right, it's going to become a survivalist story. Man's primal nature is going to kick in. They have one person on the crew right now who is not trained for this mission and, you know, doesn't really have as much investment in the overall, you know, mission as the others do. So he might go rogue and start like fending for his life. And the others might all of a sudden just like unnecessarily turn evil on him. I have no idea. You know, like this story could have gone so many different ways. And I think that there really was a truly bad way that they could have gone with it. There was a, I don't know if there's a singular better way, but there were probably better ways they could have gone with it. And what they did go with was something in the middle. I will say, I'm glad that they didn't try to have a twist ending yeah because at least we can say that like it is not a twist it is not a come out of nowhere make no sense gotcha type ending (laughs) but like i mean that is the least that we should be able to ask from any movie so i was also really glad that they did not uh develop like any kind of romantic tension between michael and uh zoe played by anna kendrick in this well between any of the characters really oh yeah yeah totally yeah that's true i guess too because you know daniel day kim i mean (laughs) i don't know how much uh you and uh josh could have uh you know withheld yourselves but but I would just want to say also, like, back to the ending, um, I don't think it would have been bad if their mission had been successful because, like, that whole tethering sequence was just so intense and you wanted it to be successful. But then, you know, Tony Collette is like, oh, no, there's a, what was it, a sunstorm or something? Sol- solar and storm. Then it just, yeah, solar, solar storm. And then yeah. I don't, I think it would have been okay if there wasn't one and they got all the oxygen and we saw them go to Mars. Like I, I got to admit, like, during that sequence, I was... This is what I mean when I say I was emotionally invested. I was very tense during that scene, incredibly so, that when there mm-hmm. was that triumphantness and uh, I I genuinely like felt so relieved and I was actually really happy for everyone involved. But then kind of like with um, the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones, I suddenly had this dread like wash over me of like things are too good right now. It's oh, too happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not going. No, something's going to happen. And yeah. then when something did happen, I just I, I didn't get angry. I like I said, that's when I knew the movie had me because I actually cared about the outcome of what they were going to have to do. And then my mind started racing because all right, options are becoming limited. What are they going to resort to now as an ending to this? And the ending that they chose is the one that I feel like, like I said before, is something that we've seen before in other movies. Um, other movies have done it better. And at this point, it's a very uncreative solution to everything because it has been done to death so many times before. But I didn't think it was, I, like I said, I, I didn't think it was a bad choice, but I also didn't think it was a creative radical choice that was like a big risk on their part as storytellers that left me with this um, profound ending that I could think about, you know, afterwards. Instead, it was just like, oh, well, all right, I I guess we got some sort of a character arc in there. But the thing that I think that kills me about it is that I don't know what happens to the other people afterwards. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, what I feel my feelings about this ending I kind of think of it like this way. It's almost like if I was watching Gravity and it ended right before the Clooney ghost came back. Like when she got back to the 
capsule and was just at her mm-hmm. lowest moment. And then the movie just ended right there with no resolution. Oh, see, like I, I thought you were going to say when she's having re-entry back to Earth and we don't know that she makes it to Earth. No, no, I, I that actually still would have been a satisfying ending to Gravity to me. Because yeah. at least you sort of have a clear path of where she's going. Th- this movie, it is so aimless at the end. It just feels like we get to the conclusion and... I, like I said, I get it that it's meaning to be somber, and I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I have a problem with the just directionless nature of where the ending is, and I don't really understand what it's trying to communicate about these characters or about the mm-hmm. themes that it's working with. It just felt like we got to that point, and it just it was almost like they forgot the third act to the movie. I, I think there's also a point, too, where Tony Collette's character um... – says something to Mission Control early on about uh, the potential outcomes that they can take as a crew to solve the situation that they're in. And she says something to the effect of like uh, the psychological damage because of the guilt that everyone would feel would um, impede them from being Mm -hmm. able to do their uh, mission critical jobs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're trying to tell me that after this experience, like everyone's going to be psychologically okay. (laughs) You know, I don't know if I believe that. It's fr- it's a frustrating ending because, like Josh said, like there's not it doesn't work with anything that the movie has been doing up to that point. I disagree, though. Like, you don't think that the monologues that Zoe and Michael share with each other on their backstories isn't set up for that. But is that the way you want to end the movie, though? Like, I don't. Disagree yeah, exactly. Yeah. Set up. But for the final conclusion the of the end. movie, that's what yeah. I take issue with. Yeah, it's like for it's like if that had just been a plot point and the movie had gone on for even another five to ten minutes. Yeah, that would have been okay. But it just kind of ends. And I don't given all that we've gone through with all of these characters, that end feels hollow. Yeah, and I think that the part that uh was the eye-rolling piece for me was the uh, inclusion of the voiceover. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, we are going to spell out our ultimate theme, but it's also like, that's your ultimate theme? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Yeah, because um, without giving away, like, total and complete spoilers here it's like yeah 
essentially what you're saying is that in space, anything can happen and it's completely random and you never know where life is going to take you. And in some cases, it leads to death. <laughs> it's like but and also that that's OK. And I, the other issue is that it frames that particular character as if they have now become the main protagonist, which yes. nothing in the movie has ever really set up that dynamic. Like if that was established early on, I think I would still be annoyed with the ending, but at least I would maybe understand, okay, that this is the arc that they were working with. But initially this is set up to be like a pretty like evenly split ensemble for the most yeah. part. And to then pivot in the last 10 seconds of the movie to know like, oh no, this is actually about one person's arc just felt so disingenuous to me. I actually thought that the person who was probably least served uh, by this screenplay was Tony Collette. Actually, I really like her character didn't really do much for me at all. Um, and there's even a point at the end of the movie and maybe someone can enlighten me here where she tells another character, I wish I could do it. And I, and I'm like saying to myself, why can't she? <laughs> you know, and you don't even who can fly the pl- fly, fly the shuttle. Is that is that is that it? It's like no one else knows. <sighs> uh. Yeah, and you don't even really learn much about her. Like everyone has yeah. all these little tidbits about their lives, and it's just like, well, who is she? Does she have a husband? Like, does she have kids? Like, yeah, I didn't get anything from that. No, she's the one. I'm telling you, the screenplay definitely serves the least to, which is why, like, all right, Dan, you're right. Maybe she is the only one that can fly the ship, but like. And that makes logical sense to me. But at the same time, it's like, I, I really wish she doesn't have a co-pilot. Like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just feel but like the well, she's also not, the commander. The ship does not need flying at this point. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, she's like, the commander. She's the one in, in the leadership position. I get why she would probably need to stay back. And I do agree that her character is very underwritten. She of, of all the four. Yeah. She's the one that gets the least in terms of a character to work with at the same time. I don't know if it's just maybe the gay gene in me, but Tony Collette with her regular I, Australian <laughs> accent I, it is just so mesmerizing to me that I could just <laughs> literally just watch her read a phone book in that in her normal accent and I'm okay. Like it still works for me. <laughs> I mean it's that that meme that was going around a few weeks ago of like she always understands the assignment. <laughs> Truly. <Yes. And laughs> aces it. Like I mean just give her an underwritten character. It doesn't matter. She will give you backstory in how she performs it because she's that good. Absolutely. <laughs> What'd you guys think of uh Shamir Anderson here? Because I know that he's the older brother to um Stephen James. But outside of, I'm just trying to think, like, I, I haven't really seen him in much uh, before this, except for, like, I don't, Destroyer. But I don't remember him, like, like leaving an impact on me in that movie that much. Yeah, I actually looked him up while I was watching the movie because I was like, who is this? Like, why does he reminded me, remind me remind me so much in looks of John David Washington? Mm-hmm. And when I looked him up, I'm like, oh. So maybe I haven't seen him before. Yeah. Or was the same deal. Like, I know I saw Destroyer, but what was he in that movie? You know what it is? Bruised hasn't come out yet. And I've heard that he's got a pretty big role in that with Halle Berry. So maybe that's what maybe that would have been the movie that would have, like, introduced us to him last year had it come out. And then this would have came afterwards. But 
of a way around now, I suppose. But either way, I actually really I really liked him in this because I found him to be endearing. And once I realized that they were actually trying to make him a very uh, wholesome character um, that did not have like some sort of a ulterior motive and wasn't going to turn into like the villain of the movie, um, I actually found his performance to be quite affecting because you have to take the time to establish why this guy is worth saving. And I, I don't know, like I said, I, I, w- I was invested with the, with the work that they did there. I liked his performance for yeah. sure. And I think that you mentioned this before that uh, scene between him and Anna Kendrick where they're trading stories, I thought was, was well done. I think I still come back to the role not being well written and the reason for him being there feeling like rather opaque. And I don't think it was intentional to make it a mystery, but it sort of seemed like it was based on the execution. And I think that you're continually waiting for the other shoe to drop with that character because it's set up so badly that I felt like there was something else that was going to come in terms of his performance. And it never really happened. And I think that what he does is fine, but I think the character that he's being asked to play is not presented that well. And I think that's a little barrier for me to like fully getting into his performance. I also think too, that the thing that I find a little hard to believe is, you know, there's an apparent like explosion of some sort that knocks him unconscious, injures him. You're trying to tell me that all personnel Uh, back in mission control are not accounted for before the takeoff happens that we're working on that ship. Um, You're also trying to tell me that no one can detect the malfunction of any kind of equipment on mission control. Like I just find it very hard to believe this. The actual setup of this movie was able to take place at all. (laughs) Exactly. That's like, if this really was an accident, it strains credulity so much. Yeah. That like how is he in the vent? I don't understand. It, like, okay, yeah. you you had an accident and takeoff, and you got stuck there. O- okay, fine, but like, where they found him, you kind of have to do a lot to get into that position. That's, that's yeah, just like, like Tony had, yeah. Colette had to like screw him out of the vent, right, or something. Yeah, like, <laughs> it like, and that's the whole oh, thing. Like, they have that where she has to screw him out of the vent, and then he's like tied into things there and then they they go to great pains <laughs> to have not one but two sequences where we are introduced to the ship and the layout of it and what each room does that you're like okay there's Chekhov's guns going off left and right here and none of them go off yeah you're not wrong i mean even like you know <laughs> anna kendrick's um little necklace that she has the like i'm like they're setting something up with this damn necklace and it's not it's just a random detail yeah that that is the thing with this movie is that there is no mystery but it sets everything up as if there is going to be a mystery and it's just that poor execution that leads to such a disappointment at the end because i can understand that there really isn't supposed to be a mystery here but the filmmaking and the storytelling heavily implies that there is and that is what's so frustrating by the time you get to the resolution of everything yeah like there's a part when we first meet mike michael and he like wakes up he's like oh my god did we take off did we take off or whatever he says a part of me was sort of hoping that he like stayed there on purpose because he like knew something yeah happened and then i feel like it would have been a better 
film if like Hyperion or was that what it's called? I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, it was Hyperion. It was like actually bad and they were like trying to do something bad and they had to sort of save whatever but that's what i thought too i thought that he was going to be like some sort of like an activist or something that's like trying to like stop the mission because of some sort of ulterior motive you know like yeah i don't know i i I had so many ideas like rushing through my head that when it just became this very human survivalist uh story i i wasn't like i didn't hate it and i was I, i have to admit like i said before i was kind of bought into it uh at the same time but yeah, you know, it's one of those things where this is a movie that's being released in the middle of the year right now. Uh, there's, you know, I, I I, think the very, very, at the very least, they were hoping that this movie would be, quote unquote, solid and positively well reviewed. But there's no, like, big expectations for something like this, I don't think, coming from anyone. Well, I mean, what expectations there are mostly comes from the cast. Right. And they deliver with the not so great material they've been given. So good on them. All right. So for final thoughts on stowaway, I'm going to pass it over to uh, Sarah first. Anything that we did not talk about or anything you want to reiterate? Mm, No, I think, I think I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) We've touched on everything. I think. (laughs) Okay. All right. Fair enough. What about you, Josh? Um, I think I will actually end on a positive note with my final thoughts. I do want to say that the whole tethering sequence was really, really well done. I think that that is a very tense sequence, honestly rivaling some sequences in gravity, I would say in terms of tension. Like I really did think that entire sequence did a lot to kind of bring me back into the story and the characters of of the movie. And I think that's why the ending feeling like such a drop off from that point was felt so much more sharply to me because it's almost like it baited me into liking the movie and then said psych. So I was very upset about that, but the whole tethering sequence I think is actually very, very well done. And I do want to give the movie props for that. Uh, I want to echo that as well. I think that that was a really, really well constructed sequence and one that had just so much tension in it. I think a lot of that is due to the sound work, the music. Um, there's just so much going on there that I, I, I got to admit, yeah, that was a really, really excellent uh, sequence. What about you, Dan? Um, I I actually agree that that sequence was really good, but, and I know no one else saw this movie, um, it reminded me so much of the best scene in The Aeronauts. Oh, yeah, oh, I remember I that. Mm-hmm. Where she, she was climbing <laughs> up the balloon. I'm like, it reminded me so much of that sequence. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was, which was another like really, really great sequence in a kind of okay movie. And it was well done, but like the whole time, just like <laughs> another sort of example of how poorly this script is written that once they get to the, um, the place where the solar panels are, I'm like, okay, it's good. You're like they're okay. And then like, no, that's only the midway point. Switch oh yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. like they, just what they had to do was not communicated very well <laughs> but then it lets you know what the stakes were oh yeah and the stakes were incredibly high and i think that sequence in particular does a really good job of making you very tense and um worried for these characters uh, that was the one thing that the movie did set up that ended up being important was um Daniel Day Kim's character's uh, weak stomach. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like I said. I I think that there are these good attempts throughout to get us to really connect with these characters, to humanize them. That you know, especially during that sequence, I think that everyone collectively is pretty emotionally involved at that point. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The ending then just takes a turn. That it's kind of funny how most of this review has been us talking about the ending but i think like i said earlier this movie is build up build up build up build up to how they are going to resolve this one problem that they have that causes all these other tiny micro problems that when they do reveal what the solution is it's yeah well and also i have a tiny 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 issue with them pulling a um them pulling an Avengers Endgame and having the single woman be like, oh no, the married man has to survive, so I shall go and sacrifice myself. It's a little too much spoiler, Dan. <laughs> Sorry, it just, I hated it in Endgame and I hated it even more here, so gotcha. I had to mention it. I hear you. Like, because the, they didn't have to call that out, but they actually do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I'm like, oh, Fuck right off. <laughs> All right. So uh, for myself, um, I'm going to give this a five. I'm pretty mixed on it overall. There were some things I liked. There were some things that I didn't like. And there were some things I was un- underwhelmed by. Um, I thought it was a valiant effort by everyone involved because, like I said earlier, it felt very real. It felt very grounded. It was based on in some level of human instinct and emotion that I was able to really connect to. I just wish that the ending had stuck the landing. If it did, this could have possibly have risen up into like a 7 out of 10 for me or maybe even higher. It all it all depends. But um, where we ended up, I'm, I'm at a 5. What about you, Sarah? Oh, I'm very conflicted between a five and a six. Um, I think I'm going to go with six because I just loved, I mean, love is a big word, but I, it was really, really solid for such a long time. And, you know, that tethering sequence actually started to make me sick. And I love when, like, sequences, like, really make you feel like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm in this moment. And yep. Um, and everyone was just so good. So I think I'm going to go with a six. Okay. <laughs> Dan? In between a four and a five, I was probably at a six before the ending. <sighs> Going with a four. Okay. Josh? So I kind of feel like this movie took me on a journey in terms of what <laughs> rating I would give it. Where <laughs> in the beginning, I would have given it like a six, which is, you know, it wasn't great, but I was like kind of see what they could were doing. The tethering sequence brought me up to like a seven because I was really getting into mm. it. And in the last two minutes are so unbelievably bad that I think I am now down to a five out of ten. So I'm very mixed on some elements of the movie, some things it does really well, some things it does incredibly poorly. And I guess averaging that together, I have to arrive at a five out of ten. Okay, so we all agree that we are going to sacrifice Dan Baer for the good of the podcast since he gave the lowest rating. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. As far as any Oscar potential is concerned for Stowaway. Uh, You know, it's funny because if we were having the same kind of year as we had last year, I would almost be tempted to put this up for visual effects. But it's become (laughs) very, very clear that this year is going to have more visual effects heavy films than last year. So I'm going with no Oscar potential for this film. 
I think it's very unlikely. Having said that, we do get like one or two random movies that will show up on the VFX shortlist. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's impossible. I don't think it would still get the nomination, but knowing that there can be like one or two movies that show up on the shortlist that we weren't expecting, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen, but I would still say it's not probably going to. I mean, the movie avoids going outside of the ship all the way up until the tethering sequence itself, but that sequence might be so memorable enough for people that I wouldn't be surprised, Josh, like you said, to see it make the long list at the very least. Yeah. But that's that's where that's where it all ends. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And even that is like not really guaranteed. It's just I wouldn't say it's like completely out of the question, but I wouldn't be betting on it either. I mean, it's even like they go out of their way to make to make it so that they can walk around the ship instead of floating. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. In terms of the visual effects for a space movie, like you expect there to be more. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for our review of Stowaway here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Sarah Clements, tell everyone where they can find you on the Internet. You can find me on Twitter at Mildred's Fears. Dan Bear. You can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me in Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Stowaway here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, drop us a comment, rate us five stars. Just do so. Really, really appreciate the feedback and the support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say: your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today! At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.